This is Radio Influence. Podcasting redefined. Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close, if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, T.J. Reeves. Well, here we go. We are back, and we are still on a roll. It's another edition of the only digital radio show that is devoted exclusively to underdogs in college football, the NFL, and now exclusively with college basketball, all the way into March, all the way to the Final Four. It is Three Dog Thursday. I am your somewhat capable host, although, hey, we're, we're, we're more capable uh, than a lot of shows or prognostications uh, that are out there because at the moment... We are 9 for 10 on college basketball underdogs. And I say the we because part of the we is senior handicapper and writer Kevin Rogers of VegasInsider.com, who is back with me. Good to be back with you. Good that we're still rolling along with some college basketball underdogs as we have another February show here to get going. Yeah, and I, well, I'm the one. I had the one loss last week, so I guess I'm the one that's got to, you know, take the uh, responsibility for that but no it's gone really well you know and i guess we're going to kind of uh you know push the chips in the middle of the tables they say to have three each this week to kind of uh you know, yeah. you know push it just a bit uh, which is fine you know now we're getting into this spot you know the season now you know really critical for a lot of teams and you know getting closer towards march madness and, and the uh the conference tournaments which are always just nuts you know over that uh you know, span. What is the Big Ten start? It's start like in ten minutes. Their tournament. Yeah, I think. the Big, you know, the Big that's, Ten's that's coming up. They're going to get it soon. done early because uh, apparently they think it's a great idea to sit and wait anxiously for eight, for eight or nine days when you have a choice. And for some of their teams that lose in an early game, uh, they're going to be very anxious when that happens. We'll see how it plays out. So yeah, the Big Ten tournament is playing a week earlier, so they're going to wrap it up and start. Uh, shortly um, again the role continues with outright wins for these underdogs too uh, I had Georgia State in a game last Thursday night a week ago as we're putting this show together against the top team in the Sun Belt Louisiana that was a high scoring game that Georgia State won at home um, unfortunately Stanford couldn't get it done for you in the Pac-12 last Thursday night I came back around to Virginia Tech and the Hokies, I thought they would hang in. I didn't know if they would win the game with Virginia. They did end up winning that game. Kevin, it just underscores when we're talking college basketball. You know, uh, last week on the show, Mike DeCourcy was saying this. The level of play from the teams in the bottom part of a conference and even in the middle of the conference, the rank and file, they all have players. They can all play. And, and if they are motivated and the team that you're playing maybe isn't as focused or doesn't shoot well or gets into foul trouble, you can be had. And we've now seen it over and over again happen to the likes of Villanova or Virginia, uh, Duke being upset by St. John's, uh, Arizona, a team we're going to talk about more as, as this show unfolds here, gets beaten by UCLA uh, last Thursday night. UCLA came in and handled them. You can't take a night off. In, in college basketball, even against a middle-of-the-pack team or even a team at the bottom of your conference, right? Yeah, and I read DeCourcy's article that he put out, and, and he's right that you know a lot more of the talent's been spread out. And yes, there are several outliers, Pittsburgh, Washington State. You know, there's a couple teams that are just not competitive at all, and that's you're going to have that. I mean, we talk about that in football all the time. You know, you, you know, people talk about these conferences. You're going to have bad teams in every conference. If it's the SEC or if it's the Mountain West or, you know, whatever conference it is. But in, you know, in college basketball, when you look at this year and, you know, we talked about St. John's, they've now won four straight all of a sudden. <laughs> and, and, you know, look, they were competitive in some other games that they blew. But at the same time, they're good enough to hang with Duke. They're good enough to hang with Villanova. And I guess that's, that's where the tournament, when you, yeah, you're not going to have Prairie View beat Kansas, like that's just not going to happen. That, that that is too much of a talent gap. But when you have some of these teams from mid-major conferences that can hang, all you have to do is beat them one time, and that's the magic of it. As opposed to the NBA, where you say, okay, this team is not going to beat this team four times. Just asking too much. But 
you know, we've seen these teams and, you know, it goes back to the old argument. I know we're not going to do that now, but do you take more teams from the bigger conference? You know, is the seven, eight in the ACC better than the one in the Southland conference or in, you know, in the, the horizon league or, or whatever league it is. And you say, well, is that true or not? you can't have 150 teams in the tournament. You know, some teams have got to be left behind. And that's always – I always like every conference being represented just because it gives them a point to the season as opposed to, well, you're eighth in the ACC, so you should get in the tournament more so than a team from this conference who is the number one team. Let's see what they could do too. I agree. And, and you're right, until we see the team from the horizon that you referenced or the team from the Southland, and, and we'll give you a couple of examples, uh, the team from the horizon has been Valparaiso in previous years, are not in that conference anymore, but uh, whether you're talking about Green Bay, the former Wisconsin Green Bay, uh, some of those other schools, Oakland that's in that conference, Illinois, Chicago, that's good, they get a chance to get after the fifth or the sixth or the seventh Big Ten or SEC or ACC or Big 12. 12 schools and they they pull upsets uh, the Southland Conference had Stephen F. Austin remember with Brad Underwood where, where they pulled upsets a couple of years in a row in the NCAA tournament Conference USA a team you're going to talk about in a little bit has had Middle Tennessee State pull upsets the last two years against Big Ten schools knocking out a two seed Michigan State a couple of years ago so that is the great debate on on, uh, on depth of play uh, on St. John's, and we're going to have a guest coming up here in the middle segment of Three Dog Thursday from Bleacher Report, uh, one of their top college basketball minds and writers, and he blogs their bracket. Kerry James will be with us. I'm going to put this question to him because he looks at the bracket. St. John's started 0-11 in the Big East. At the moment right now, they are 3-11 after their midweek win uh, that they just had against DePaul, their uh, their one point victory on Valentine's night that brings them to three and eleven in conference play. Four games remaining. Hypothetically, Kevin Rogers, if they win all of those remaining games and get to seven and eleven, the the convenience store. If they are at that moment, are they viable as an at-large team if, 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 if they can win a game or two at Madison Square Garden in the Big East Tournament? Do you believe at seven wins, and, and in those seven wins, let me qualify it this way, you will have beaten Duke, you will have beaten Villanova, down the stretch of the season, you will have, have to have won a game at Marquette, you will have, have to have beaten Seton Hall and Butler, uh, in the uh, in the uh, Marquette game, it's uh, it's a road game. The Seton Hall and Butler games are home games. If St. John's can get to seven and eleven after being zero and eleven in the Big East, are they in the conversation potentially for at large? What's your opinion? I'm going to say no. I'll tell you why. The only way they could do that without winning the Big East tournament is to get to the championship with the Big East tournament and lose. I just think that. You've dug yourself such a big hole right. that uh, you, a I think you got to have a winning conference record to get in to the NCAA tournament. That you got to win at least more than half your games in the in the in the conference. And you know what? Just to put it mildly, the Big East has ten teams, and we know how top heavy it is. And they just beat DePaul, like you mentioned. They got swept by Georgetown, who's yep. a bottom half team. They beat Marquette, who's on, who's in the second half of that conference. All right, so you're beating those teams. And, yes, they had a great win at Villanova. But some people will say, all right, well, they could have lost the Villanova game. It got down to one late. They could have lost the Duke game, and they found ways to win. You know, if they won the Big East tournament, obviously they sure. they automatically get in. But to go to go on that kind of run, no, I just don't think they do. I, I just don't see it. I, I mean, unfortunately. Too many losses. I, too many losses yeah, damaging them at the moment. Too big of a hole. Yeah. Say it again? Too many losses is what you're saying. 0-11 was too big of a hole uh, for your phrase, but it, it's a fascinating case. And I left out the final game of the year is with Providence, and Providence upset Villanova midweek in college basketball action. And that's that's really going to be a must-win at the end of the year. Providence almost needs to win out looking for an at-large case. Let, let me ask yeah. you this question, sure. because I, I don't know if I've asked you this in the past or not. Just I, I just brought this up, but what are your views on the automatic birth 
winning the conference tournament where in essence you can beat DePaul and run the table and you get in. You, you have a yes. horrible season, you have a good three or four days, and then you get in the tournament. Love it for two different reasons. The first one is you want the drama of March. You want to replicate what you're about to see in the NCAA tournament where a team can put it together. You even said the word, it gives you hope. You said that earlier in our conversation. It gives you hope. Um, a, a perfect example, again, we're kind of digressing on this, but it's it's to the point that you're making. A year ago, I got the chance, and I'll be back there again to work the Horizon League. We're bringing them back up in their postseason tournament on TuneIn and through their web platforms. So I'll be there broadcasting those games again in Detroit. A year ago, Wisconsin-Milwaukee, or now known as Milwaukee, University of Milwaukee, that's what they want to be called. They had seven wins, Kevin, coming into the Horizon League tournament. They put it together and won three games and three nights to get to ten victories. As a ten, as a ten win team overall in the season, they had a chance at the NCAA tournament. It gives you hope. Are, are those are those teams most likely uh, going to be beaten at some point in the semifinal or the championship game as Milwaukee was? Yes. If they somehow get in the NCAA tournament, are they likely going to get drummed? Yes. My view, it, it makes college basketball different. It gives you hope to keep playing hard. It gives St. John's hope that your season was not over with because you have a chance at the automatic big in, bid in the Big East tournament, and they do. They are still alive. They are still viable. And I will say again, and I'll put this question to Kerry uh, James when we have him on looking at the bracket. That's four games at the end of the season here, four or five games that are against NCAA tournament caliber, RPI solid teams. If they keep winning them, they're going to move up. But maybe you're right. Maybe they got to go all the way and win the Big East tournament. We'll find out there um, in uh, in St. John's case. But it, it is a fascinating study. And, and more importantly, you said something about conference record. Got to have a winning record in your conference. That selection committee is looking at wins. They are looking at whom did you defeat. And the wins over Duke and the wins over Villanova. And late in the year, if they get a win over Butler, who's in the top 20 of the RPI, those are wins. So let, let's see if St. John's can keep it up. It's pretty amazing that Chris Mullen's team is back in the conversation. I mean, Kevin... He was possibly fired a couple of weeks ago at 0-11 in the Big East, sagging badly, never been a head coach before. Now now we're talking about NCAA tournament run, maybe. Uh, it's amazing how that's turned around for the Johnnies in the Big East. Yeah, I mean, it's a good story. And, and, you know, people like to say that, you know, traditional basketball, you know, names or powers, I mean, I know they haven't been a power for a long time. You know, it's good to see them doing well. You know, it's good to see... Patrick Ewing making Georgetown yeah. somewhat relevant, you know, it's good to see those, those kind of schools that, you know, are, are back in the conversation. And then look, we go here every single year. It's the same conversation. It feels like, and it's, and I, I still, I can't give you a solid opinion on, you know, especially the conference tournaments, whether or not those are good or like, it's good for drama, but you know, it also goes on the flip side when you say, Oh, this team, who was never going to be in the tournament? They ran the table. They got in. They won their tournament championship, and now they're in. And you are, you know, a, a 19 and 14 team, and we're trying to get it on the bubble, and we just got screwed because Villanova didn't win the Big East. They didn't steal that. You know, they didn't take that bid. Or Duke didn't win the ACC. But then I say, well, you shouldn't have been 19 and 14. Then you shouldn't be depending on the bubble. And that's what. It, and when you're depending on that, then that's on you. So that's kind of where I say it's good to see those teams stealing those bids because they, in a sense, took advantage of it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we saw Seton Hall a couple of years ago play their way into the tournament, speaking of the Big East, by winning the Big East tournament. They were not in. Four days uh, removed from the from Selection Sunday, they were not in. They won the automatic bid. They took the doubt away from the committee. We saw Colorado a few years ago with a losing record. Absolutely not in in the Pac-12 tournament. This has been about four years ago uh, when the Pac-12 tournament was still in Los Angeles at Staples Center. They won four games in four days with a losing record. They played their way in and took the bid from someone else. I just love this time of year where your season is not over. All right, with all of that out of the way, uh, let's get to some underdog selections. And again, it's Three Dog Thursday. So we, what we have at our disposal are lines and games for Thursday. So let's jump right in with a couple of underdogs each for Thursday. Then uh, later on in the show, we'll look at some weekend games for underdog possibilities. Kevin, where do you want to begin with our first underdog? We're each going to go for three. You have first dibs. Go for it, sir. Well, you know, we talk about 
teams that need to go on a run, and the Wisconsin Badgers desperately need to go on a run right now because they have just been awful this year. But uh, they're getting double digits tonight at Purdue. And Purdue's coming off back-to-back close losses to Ohio State and Michigan State. That's a three-horse race in the Big Ten. Those are the three horses running towards the end of Purdue right now, uh, falling back a bit by losing those two games. Now, Purdue has struggled against the number recently. They're 0-5-1 ATS the last six. Wisconsin has lost three straight at home. They lost to Purdue earlier this season by 28 points. So you figure another blowout, Purdue's going to come out and be mad and all that other stuff, which I can't stand when people say that. But I just look at it that, you know, Wisconsin, I want to say, you know, you know that you're not going to the tournament and, and who knows what your NIT status is. This is kind of like your, your, your big game, your Super Bowl at home, that if you can find a way to – beat Purdue, a team that, you know, now you're kind of catching them on the ropes a little bit, that they've struggled a bit as of late, and they were thought to be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. I just think with Wisconsin getting 10.5 tonight, I think that uh, they have a legit shot to hang in this game. They'll play it at the Kohl Center on Thursday evening, and again, uh, I'll qualify it so many different ways as we go along in the show. You may be hearing us later on in the week, later on in the weekend. You already know what Wisconsin did or didn't do against Purdue, but Kevin's going to take the big points there at 10.5 and go with the Wisconsin Badgers. I will swing. You always love it when I when I do this. I'm going to go American Conference basketball. What a shot, Kevin Rogers. Uh, uh, we, we love talking about the American and seeing what could happen with Utah State now in the American Conference. Uh, Cincinnati rolling. The nation's longest win streak right now as we tape Three Dog Thursday. Kevin Rogers belongs to the Cincinnati Bearcats. 16-game win streak right now for them. Unbeaten in American Conference play. They play at Houston. And the Cougars also a nice role that they're on. They've won nine straight games, including an upset of the aforementioned Wichita State Shockers uh, at home. Uh, this is a Thursday night matchup where uh, arguably it's you know NCAA tournament caliber teams here. Houston trying to play their way in. Large resume building game for the Cougars. Speaking of Wichita State again, Cincinnati will play them on the weekend. Are the Bearcats maybe looking a little bit ahead in this matchup? Houston has the conference player of the week in the American Conference in Armani Brooks. Uh, an outstanding uh, low post, kind of 3-4 four forward, can score, can rebound. I like the Houston Cougars to win this game and stop the 16-game win streak of Mick Cronin's Bearcats, who've been very good this year. Give me Houston on three-dog Thursday to win the game outright. I'll take the three-and-a-half points. Houston Cougars. A, a thought on the American, by the way, with, with Cincinnati rolling along so well. I mean, Cincinnati looks like they could maybe be a two-seed, something like that, out of the American Conference. Yeah, I mean, they played very well. You know, Wichita State, you know, we're probably going to see with the way the Americans gone. Unfortunately, it's just so chalky. Cincinnati, Wichita State probably in that championship. But I will say this, though. Can we all just sit and pray and hope that we don't have a Cincinnati-Virginia championship game? <laughs> that will be uh, a lot like Greco-Roman wrestling is what you're saying. Speaking of uh, of things that you might not want to see, and, and Virginia tries to suffocate you, and Cincinnati does a lot of the same thing. We'll see if Houston has something for them on Thursday night. All right, speaking of patriotism, it is Olympic time, et cetera. I went American Athletic Conference. You're going to stick stick with the USA theme. You're going to go Conference USA for underdog number two. Tell me more. I am. I'm going to go with the Golden Eagles of Southern Mississippi. And they are taking on Middle Tennessee, the Blue Raiders. So we got a lot of colors going on tonight in this game. Southern Miss, 6-0 against the spread at home in Conference USA action. And Middle Tennessee has played very well. We know they're the top team in that conference. They've won seven straight, but they haven't covered in their last three games. Another revenge spot here. Southern Miss lost by 20 to Middle Tennessee earlier in conference play. But uh, Southern Miss, though, they've only been listed as a home underdog once in conference play, and they covered in a loss, and uh, they've won the rest. And I understand a lot of the teams they beat, you know, like Charlotte and some of these other lower-tier teams in the conference, but – they built up a decent home court advantage, and I think that Southern Miss can uh, hang, if not uh, win this game, getting seven against Middle Tennessee. 
Yeah, Southern Miss has been an interesting program. Interesting is one way to describe it. For about 30 years or more, I've worked their games a lot. I've been to Hattiesburg, Mississippi. I don't know that you've ever been to Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and Brett Favre country. And the old Reed Green Coliseum where uh, where Southern Miss plays, they had teams in the 80s that were in the NCAA tournament. Clarence Weatherspoon, if you remember that name, college basketball fans. Randolph Keys is another one. They, they, they uh, then floundered for a while. They got back on the cusp of the NCAA tournament again. A few years ago, Middle Tennessee, again, has been the team of this conference, has not only won the conference tournament, but has won an NCAA tournament game the last couple of years. So that's fascinating. You'll go Southern Miss on Thursday night with Middle Tennessee. So, again, we're qualifying these games. If you're hearing them later in the weekend, you already know what happened on Thursday. We'll get to some weekend games a little bit later on Three Dog Thursday. I'm going to go Pac-12 and another rematch game. This one uh, in Tempe at the Wells Fargo Arena, Arizona, Arizona State. Arizona State is a short, uh, only one-point favorite, a, a rematch for them after they lost a close game in Tucson uh, earlier this year. I just uh, for Arizona State, uh, they've got Trey Holder who can shoot it. They they are a, a high-scoring team a lot of the time, but they're seven and six. Uh, in the in the Pac-12, they have been an up and down team. I like Arizona to come in and snatch this game. Uh, arguably, the number one player in the NBA draft. Get used to the name uh, DeAndre Ayton. He is an outstanding big man for Arizona. They are very athletic. As it stands right now, Arizona's getting a point. I think they will win the game. I think they will win this game outright. They are leading the Pac-12 with UCLA chasing them. Arizona still has Arizona State still has hopes to chase them. I think the Wildcats win this game on Thursday night out of the Pac-12. Uh, Kevin, any thoughts here? Danny Hurley or uh, Bobby Hurley uh, rather uh, has done a good job. They were they were what twelve or thirteen and zero out of the conference, but the Pac-12 has caught up to them. They've lost six times in the Pac-12. Arizona State. You have a thought, real real quick on Arizona State and about this matchup? Yeah, I mean, they, you know, people were talking about them as maybe being, uh, I'm going to say a one seed, but being a, a national championship contender when they beat Kansas earlier in the year. And then, you know, they had that opener against Arizona that uh, they were down big, they came back, and they ended up losing, I think, by six in Tucson. But, uh, you know, Bobby Hurley's done a better job with them, but I think we see that Arizona now, you know, is still the class of college basketball in that state as opposed to Arizona State. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it should be a pretty good game. You know, they always have, uh, you know, pretty good matchups and pretty competitive matchups. But, yeah, the Sun Devils, yeah, they've taken a big nosedive since conference play has started. Well, and they, they lost a home game to Oregon that damaged them earlier. And, again, Arizona was beaten last Thursday night by UCLA at home. Maybe that was a wake-up call. Rematch game on Thursday. I will take the Wildcats as part of Three Dog Thursday. Kevin, stand by. We'll continue the college basketball conversation. Kevin will rejoin us a little bit later on with some weekend underdog picks and conversation. Uh, straight ahead, the college basketball talk continues. Kerry James will be here from Bleacher Report. Uh, he takes a look at their bracket uh, daily and updates the bracket projections for Bleacher Report. National college basketball writer will get his insight, uh, maybe an underdog or two, get his insight on some of the top seeds being beaten, uh, etc. More of that straight ahead as Three Dog Thursday rolls on. Stay with us. We do roll on with more college basketball conversation. Kevin will rejoin me with some more underdog predictions for the weekend games coming up, but we gotta, we gotta continue to beef up the knowledge and the insight. Uh, and we'll welcome in a guest that has been blogging about the bracket, projecting the bracket, the bracketology for about six years now with BleacherReport.com. Kerry Miller is with us. We get to say hello and welcome him into Three Dog Thursday. Uh, the insanity is almost here, my friend. The mayhem is almost here. It's a great time to have you on because we're all trying to figure out who's going where in the NCAA tournament. It's all about to start to resolve itself, so it's good to have you. Welcome. We, we are getting there. March Madness is coming, but the February fracas has already <laughs> begun. Uh, it's it's crazy. Every single night, uh, I, you know, I do projected brackets. I would gladly do projected brackets in July, but even now in like mid-February, it feels like no idea what's actually going to happen because there's crazy upsets every single night. But yeah. let's, uh, let's talk some underdogs and all that fun oh, stuff. And so, I mean, to your point, just in general terms, when we see St. John's beat Duke and then beat Villanova at Villanova, when we go see Virginia Tech beat Virginia at Virginia, we see UCLA, which I've already made mention of in our previous segment, they rolled into the McHale Center and beat Arizona a week ago. 
truly at this time of the year, look out on, on what can happen. That's the point, right? Yeah, it doesn't feel like anybody is good right now. <laughs> I mean, a few weeks ago, I would have said, you know, if you just gave me, you know, I, I got to pick my final four, not knowing anything about the draw, I would have pretty confidently said Virginia, Villanova, and Purdue. And I don't feel great about any of those teams right now because they've lost, <laughs> what, a combined five games in the last two weeks. It's just, it is what it is. We're, we're in mid-February. This is where, you know, the great teams start to hit their lulls. This is where the bubble teams really need those wins. And things always seem to get crazy around this time of year, even more so than usual for this sport. Do you think, just philosophically, we'll go over a couple of things and then we'll have some fun with some underdogs. Do you think it's better when we don't have a dominant team? The Kentucky team of 2015 obviously had not lost a game and marched all the way into the NCAA tournament in the Final Four undefeated. Is it better when there's a dominant team that everybody's trying to knock off or pointing towards? Or is it better when it's, I don't know, out of a group of about six or eight teams who's going to win it? What's your take? I will say that as a, a writer, I prefer when there's not just one dominant team because that year the Kentucky went 38 and one. I was so sick of writing about Kentucky by the time the tournament rolled around. Um, and, you know, the year Wichita State went uh, what 35 and 0 before they lost to ironically Kentucky in the tournament. I mean, we were talking about Wichita State for four straight months, but there's 351 teams. There's so many great stories around the country. It'd be great if we could talk about more of them. And I think because there aren't dominant teams this year. You know, we see more stories about Trayvon Blewett at Xavier or Keenan Evans at Texas Tech. Jock Landale at St. Mary's has even, you know, gotten some player of the year love. And you wouldn't see that if there was a, you know, a team just running away with it this year. So I think it's, it's more interesting in terms of all the things that we're able to talk about. I did do quite a, kind of a research uh, back into whatever, 1985, when they first expanded to 64 teams. Uh, two or three years ago, I did that piece for Bleacher Report where, comparing the craziest seasons to what happens in the tournament. And oddly enough, when things are just like out of control during the regular season, when top 10 teams are losing constantly like they are this year, the tournament ends up being a little more chalky. Uh, We had that a couple of years ago where I think it was Duke, uh, Wisconsin, and Duke, or Duke, Wisconsin, and Kentucky all made the Final Four as one season, what was kind of a crazy year. So uh, we'll we'll see how it actually plays out in the tournament. I mean, that's not a scientific uh, data point by any means, but I do kind of prefer when it's not just one team running away with everything. Well, and you make a good point, too, that once it gets to March, sometimes teams can flip the switch, and it's harder for the for the little guy, the underdog, to sustain it over the course of three or four tournament wins. It does seem to seem to even out. Uh, all right, we were having a debate before you came on as we talked with Kerry Miller of Bleach Report here on Three Dog Thursday about St. John's. As we're sitting here talking right now, they won another midweek game. That's four wins in a row. That is now 3-11 and 11 in the Big East. I'm going to pose it the same way to you. If they win out in the regular season, which is including another win over Marquette, uh, who they just beat, uh, they would also beat Butler. They'd win an end-of-the-year game at Providence, and they are sitting at 7-11. and 11. Are they in the conversation to, to say maybe at large, or are they still in the same spot? The only way that they are in is if they win the Big East tournament. Have some fun. Join the debate. What do you think? I think they would absolutely be in the conversation. At that point, they would be, I believe, 18 and 13, which is a pretty common bubble resume. And obviously, they didn't get there by a common means, losing 11 straight to start Big East play. But they have those two outstanding wins. Like you said, they would get a couple more quality wins along the way. And I think the you know, every year we seem to say the bubble is the worst it's ever been, but it does feel like that this year with the Pac-12 being so down, with the Big Ten probably only getting four teams in. we got to get to 68 somehow. So St. John's can win four more. It's definitely possible. I, I, I wouldn't put them in my first five out at this point yet, but I did put them on my uh, – I have a slide called On the Horizon, which is just teams that maybe aren't quite yet in the conversation, but we could see them getting there. So with these two incredible wins, I could see it if they win out from here. Um, I, I think if they win their remaining four and then lose in the first round of the Big East right. tournament, I, I can't exactly project who they would be playing. Then they would be extremely bubbly. But, I mean, Vanderbilt got in as a nine seed last year with, I believe, a 19-15 and 
losing record because they played one of the toughest strength of schedules in the country. And St. John's did that, too, because of that um, uh, non-conference game against Duke, because of their games against Missouri and Arizona State, I believe. So even though they didn't win those two games against Missouri and Arizona State. But I think they're still in the conversation. They have to win these remaining four games, though. Well, again, uh, to go over that list, there are two or three teams that they are also battling in Seton Hall, who they would play at home, Butler, who they play at home, and at Providence, who are also bubble teams, who are also trying to find their Butler probably solidly in. But, I mean, those are resume-building wins. If they get three more of them, it's hilarious. That, as I, as I said to Kevin Rogers before you came on, Chris Mullen, two weeks ago, was possibly fired, having never been a head coach before. Dismal start, dismal year last year. Maybe he's fired. Now we're talking two weeks later on the cusp of, of consideration, at least anyway, for at-large bid status. Welcome to the craziness of uh, of college basketball. Few more moments here kicking it around with Carrie Miller of bleacherreport.com. Uh all right, before you came on, we made an, a couple of underdog predictions and 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 full disclosure to the audience, I was asking uh Carrie to point to a game that he really liked as a possible underdog and you said almost straight out a game that I actually like, Houston Cougars Cincinnati Bearcats what stands out about that underdog possibility for the Cougars against a Cincinnati team that has won 16 games in a row what do you think yeah I think the the big thing for me more so than the the matchup itself just kind of the circumstances around it like everybody's starting to buy into Cincinnati they might be drinking a little bit of their own Kool-Aid at this point and now they got to go on the road and play a team that I don't think Houston desperately needs this to make the tournament but Obviously, it would be a huge win for them if they can get that. Otherwise, they probably need to go 5-0 and the rest of the way uh, in AAC play. But Houston's a really good team. Rob Gray, if anybody in the country is going to be able to handle Cincinnati's defensive pressure, Rob Gray is one of them. And I think that you know, Houston might be able to get that job done at home. You know, this is the time of year where you just see highly ranked teams go on the road and lose to bubble teams, which is why I think Saturday is going to be crazy. There's four games involving a ranked team going on the road to place a team smack dab on the bubble. I think it's going to be another chaotic Saturday in, in a college hoops. Well, and along those lines, uh, you know, the Villanova, matchup coming Saturday. Uh, I'm going to talk more about it with Kevin in our final segment, but that that game at Xavier, I mean, that's as big a game as Xavier's ever had in, in their building in the Centos Center in the Big East. And, and oh, by the way, Xavier now in the lead in the Big East regular season standings, so uh, just say something about that game. That is one to watch for sure Saturday afternoon in the Big East. Yeah, it's, it's a huge game. Uh, it's probably a, a effective play-in game for a one seed in the NCAA tournament. Uh, whoever wins that game is going to probably be the number one overall seed in the uh, subsequent brackets on uh, Monday. But, you know, two teams very much heading in opposite directions. You know, Villanova's lost two of the last three. I think last night's game against um, Providence, I, I don't know if you were ever a, a Bill Simmons guy, but he used to talk about the no-effing-way game in Madden. This was Villanova's no effing way game. Jalen Brunson had as many turnovers last night as he did in the entire month of November. They were 0 for 10 from three-point range and had zero offensive rebounds for like the first 28 minutes of that game. It was unreal. And they were still right there. They were within two in the last five minutes, but still a disappointing loss coming off of a, a loss to St. John's two games prior to that. Yeah. Meanwhile, Xavier's on like a 10-game winning streak. Trayvon Blewett was ridiculous last night uh, against Seton Hall. It's kind of crazy to me that, you know, early on in the season, I wasn't buying Xavier at all because I thought it was just Blewett and J.P. Macura or Bust. But now they've got a really strong seven-man rotation. Um, they got they hit over 100 points last night with their second and third leading scorers combining for eight. So I think that they could really get the job done in the tournament. I think they can win this Saturday against Villanova. I don't know if that will qualify as a, an upset or not, or an underdog or not yeah. for you. I don't know what that spread is going to be, but it should be a really, really fun game on Saturday. And again, Kevin and I talk more about that game coming up in the final segment of Villanova and the matchup 
uh, with Xavier. A lot of fun in uh, in the Big East, uh, trying to sort some of these different games out. The, the madness is almost here, my friend. I know you're all over it on, on Bleach Report and and with the bracket. Uh, hey, I'll I'll tee you up with another fun one. I, I like to say this all the time. I'll put the full buffet in front of you. Give me a team that we're not talking enough about. We haven't talked about them yet here in this segment in this interview that we're talking on Three Dog Thursday. Give me a team we're not talking enough about and why. Who is it? Oh, man, that's a, a really open-ended question. <laughs> I would probably say Missouri right now. Um, you know, They were a, a top 25 team in the preseason. I, I believe in the uh, the Vegas odds to win the championship, they were like number seven at the beginning of the season. And that was a little crazy. That was some, some Michael Porter Jr. That's right. uh, Kool-Aid going on. But he's only played two minutes. He might be coming back, which is going to make them a lot of fun. I guess we've been talking about them from that perspective. But just the, the team in general is really streaking uh, right now. I think they've won five in a row, six in a row, somewhere in that range. Uh, they beat Kentucky. They beat Texas A&M. The SEC is super deep. I mean, they could easily, you know, win the the SEC tournament because it's, it's a little similar to the Pac-12 a couple of years ago, where um, seven teams got in all as single-digit seeds, but none of them were really strong title contenders. I think that's where we're at with the SEC. So I wouldn't be surprised if Missouri, you know, finishes strong. Uh, I know they play at Kentucky in a couple of weeks, but other than that, they could win out and maybe play their way into like a five or a six seed and really be that, you know middle tier type of team that could reach the final four well and interesting too that the sec tournament will be in st louis now kentucky always travels everywhere they get the bulk of the tickets that's how it works but but the missouri tigers mizzou could have some fans in st louis when that time comes on uh, on that one so all right uh carrie you've done a great job here with us on three dog thursday not just because you agreed with me about the houston cougars as a possible underdog upset tell the fans more about the great coverage on bleacher report and about the bracket 101 and the stuff that you do uh projecting the bracket for Bleacher Report. Go ahead and plug away. Yeah, man, I've got a bracket every Monday it is at this point. At some point soon, it's going to be twice a week. And then by uh, early March, we'll have a, a live bracket update going throughout the whole championship week. So I, I'm basically not going to sleep between now and April, but <laughs> it's always a, a fun, crazy time. You can uh, follow me on Twitter, at Karen's James. Um, I'm doing game recaps, and in addition to the, the bracket, I do a weekly bubble watch. And it's, like I said, I don't sleep much. And I've been covering the uh, the Winter Olympics AM shift uh, the last few days and for the next week. So really not sleeping right now, but hopefully that didn't come across too much in our conversation here. Well, we're half awake a lot of the time on this show, but we've been rolling <laughs> along with some underdog predictions, and we even uh, we love the, the, the preamble, if you will, what's coming up prior to March and the build-up for it. And these these games are obviously significant. They're, they're resume-building opportunities for a lot of these teams. We mentioned Houston. They need this game with Cincinnati. You look at, uh, at, at some of these other uh, matchups coming this weekend. We're going to talk some Big 12 on the weekend. There are a couple of Big 12 teams that need a key win or two to help themselves out. It's what this time is. Uh, of the year is all about. Uh, Carrie Miller, thank you. And uh, we appreciate you coming on with us here as part of Three Dog Thursday. Good luck with everything going on and enjoy the madness and the mayhem of March as everything rolls on uh, through college basketball, the NCAA tournament into the Final Four in the Alamo City of San Antonio. We thank you for the time here, though, on Three Dog Thursday, sir. You got it. Thanks for having me on. Dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is TJ Reeves. We are back in on the only digital radio show that's devoted exclusively to underdogs here on Three Dog Thursday. I'll call back in senior handicapper and writer for Vegas Insider, Kevin Rogers. We remind you again, whether you're hearing the show on RadioInfluence.com, or also on uh, iTunes or Stitcher. Subscribe. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Find us however you can find us. If you're listening in, subscribing in on iTunes or Stitcher, rank the show, rate the show, leave some comments because that'll help the show get recognized even more on those platforms. So however you found the show, 
Uh, thank you for doing so. Kevin, as we bring you back in, we'll get to the college basketball underdogs in a couple of moments. Again, the time that we're talking right now, we have won nine of the ten underdog predictions for the college basketball season starting in January. Nine for ten. Uh, I'm not even a math major. That's 90% for us. Let's see if it will continue this weekend. I'll go over the underdog picks before we're all said and done. Hey, the Olympics ongoing uh, in Korea. I have not asked you this uh, on the show previously. Are you big into the Olympics and all the stuff going on in the middle of the night, whether it's the skiing, the skating, the hockey, all the different, the luge, the different things that are going on? How, How much do you care at all? Does it register? Zero. I mean, well, I'll be honest with you. I grew up in Florida. I lived in Kansas for about two years. So I've lived most of my life in Florida. I don't deal with winter Olympics like, or I mean like with winter. So skating and bobsledding and other things that have to do with snow and ice. I don't deal with that. Uh, (laughs) So that's why a lot of it just doesn't interest me. Now, the only thing I I am interested in normally is the men's hockey. It's very hard to get into it when the NHL players aren't in it. You watch the United States, and you don't really recognize. I'm not saying that you can't root for them because you don't recognize the sure. names. It's just easier when you see USA and Canada, and 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 Russia that you know these players. It gives you a little bit, you know, more to recognize. I mean, summer. I like watching the basketball because I know the players. But besides that, I'm going to say this in a really like snarky way. I got too much else going on. I can't like sit and watch like this too and watch guys on ice. You know, with, with the the curling, like I just have no interest in it at all. I'm I'm too busy watching everything else. Well, what's fa- I understand, and you got the NBA going on right now. You got the NHL also going on, as well as college basketball yeah. and baseball will be here soon. So there's other things to be interested in. Whenever it says USA, though, on the front of the jersey, we seem to care more, and we suddenly pay attention to a luge silver medal, which we won in the men's luge, which we have never won a luge medal in in men's luge. We care about the downhill skiers. Uh, I think NBC would show figure skating like 18 hours a day if they could and they're they're manufacturing as much and milking that as much as possible i'll tell you this i've, I've got the nine and a half year old twin daughters and a little insight here i know in a lot of the places that they're listening to us kevin it is freezing cold and they do have snow on the ground and they do get into winter we're in florida we don't my twins are learning how to ice skate for the first time in the fourth grade and they have been skating at, at a facility that is near where i live in tampa and the u.s women's hockey team kevin was training at that facility on days and nights when they were there and learning how to skate in January uh, before they left for Korea, the U.S. women's hockey team uh, right there, Brianna Decker, Kendall Coyne, uh, the goalie uh, Maddie Rooney, they were right there in the flesh, and you could see them in their jerseys and their warm-up stuff. They're out there uh, doing different uh, practices. They were playing exhibition matches and before they went to Korea. So in my household, we are big into the women's hockey, and at the time that we're talking now, they're about to go into the medal round. The U.S. and Canada favored to play each other for the gold medal. So we're into the women's hockey as much as anything uh, right now in my house as well as the skating. So the Olympics are on, and, and we're paying attention. I know a lot of people are paying attention, but I agree with you. I'd, I'd much rather have the NHL players there uh, uh, for the Olympics. Um, so there you go. We're, we're patriotic. We'll see what happens with some of these different uh, athletes, Lindsey Vaughn and the hockey, and uh, see how it all, uh, all, all of it plays out. So back to the basketball. That's our sport. We love this for the wintertime uh, part of this. Uh, we're back to the underdogs, and, and you and I are looking over some of the games. I mean, that Villanova-Xavier game going to be a fantastic game Saturday afternoon as we project towards the weekend on Three Dog Thursday. Villanova losing midweek at Providence. Xavier winning uh, midweek and continuing their win streak right now. Their last loss is to Villanova. I believe it's a nine-game win streak for Xavier playing that game at home at the Cintas Center uh, in Cincinnati. Uh, Kevin, again, I, you don't have to have a prediction here on the game. Uh, we, we even are debating who's going to be favored in that game. Might Xavier be favored in that game? Villanova's been favored in every game they've played this year. So for Three Dog Thursday purposes, we're not picking it, but this is going to be a heck of a game Saturday afternoon. Oh, absolutely. And Villanova lost to Providence, where Providence, you know, they, they're capable of pulling off a few upsets and also – uh, they're capable of losing it to uh, DePaul, you know. So, you know, Providence is one of those teams you can't really figure out. But when you look at Villanova, you know, and, and we had debated about it and said, all right, you know, looking ahead, since we taped the show on Thursday, what would happen Saturday? And I really, I said, honestly, 
I can make an argument either way. If Villanova was a one or two point favorite, right. okay. If Xavier was a two point favorite, it wouldn't surprise me. It just wouldn't, considering the way I mean, Villanova's lost two of their last three games. You know, so why should they be favored going in? But also, I don't really know which direction the odds makers are going. So that's why I said this is a toss up. It's a major toss up game, and I mean, I could see it going either way. Unfortunately. Well, and, uh, it, you know, again, that's why we leave that to the guys in Vegas and online to come up with what that spread might be. Um, fascinating, again, that Villanova has not been an underdog all year long. They do have three losses on the season, and all of them are in Big East play, including the shocker that they lost at home to St. John's. We'll see, but for, for seeding, for number one seeding purposes in the NCAA tournament, who's going to be the top seed in the Big East tournament for the draw? Huge game Saturday, and the Musketeers and Trayvon Blewett, who had 37 points in their Creighton game midweek, uh, this, is, this is as big a game as they have played in recent memory at home uh, there against, uh, against Villanova. So we're going to stay away from that one. Uh, on the weekend, there are also some interesting Big 12 games, including one that you're going to go with for Three Dog Thursday purposes. Kevin, tell me more. All right, West Virginia is going to Lawrence to face the Kansas Jayhawks. Revenge spot for Bob Huggins' team. West Virginia led by double digits against Kansas the first time around in Morgantown. They blew that game. The Jayhawks came back and won. That was a big Monday game uh, back in January. And now Kansas is always favored at home, and they'll be laying points to West Virginia. Coming up on Saturday, West Virginia has covered twice this season. As an underdog, and an underdog normally, so I just think it's a good spot here where West Virginia played well against Kansas the first time around, couldn't shut the door, and we've mm. seen even with the Jayhawks. You don't say this in the past; they've been up and down at home. You don't hear that that often, but they got tripped up by Oklahoma State at home. I know that they beat TCU recently, but also lost to Texas Tech at home. And Texas Tech is obviously a very good team that that's made you know a lot of strides this year. But you know, for West Virginia, I think that. Uh, you know, with Bob Huggins, because you know him, he won't fire up the troops at all, that uh, he'll get them ready, and, and I think they'll cover against Kansas. Well, and Kansas has lost in different ways. They've gone cold shooting. They missed free throws, uh, which was a big part of their loss at Oklahoma earlier this year. A little bit of inconsistent play, but they, they somehow find a way to end up winning the Big 12. West Virginia could damage them here. Texas Tech is the team that is actually leading the Big 12 late in the year. Texas Tech, Kevin, has a game uh, coming with Kansas at home in Lubbock next Saturday that they're billing as the as arguably the biggest regular season game ever, ever for the Red Raiders. This includes when Bob Knight was coaching them and they were in the NCAA tournament. Before that, they were in the NCAA tournament with James Dickey. Uh, that's back 20-plus years ago. Now it is Chris Beard's team, Texas Tech, and uh, they get ready for this matchup this weekend with Baylor. And I'm I'm wondering if they're not looking ahead a little bit in this showdown uh, here, coming off of uh, off of the role that they are on. Um, the Texas Tech having beaten Oklahoma at home earlier this week, Baylor also with a win in double overtime Monday night against Texas. Scott Drew's team, I mean, he still has trouble with X's and O's at the end of games and hanging on to leads and game management and timeout management and that kind of stuff. But I think Baylor and Waco, we we believe, you and I, that Texas Tech is going to be favored by something like three or four points at least, right, in this matchup in Waco. I think Baylor can win that game outright. Texas Tech may be looking ahead a little bit in between the Oklahoma victory at home and the Kansas game that is looming at home. Big 12 is just such a tough, tough conference. Give me Baylor Bears, Kevin Rogers. Quick quick thought on the depth of the Big 12 and whether Baylor really has a legitimate shot here against the Red Raiders who are actually leading the conference. Oh, I think Baylor can definitely beat them. I mean, you know, you talk about the depth of the conference. Iowa State's in last place. They beat Texas Tech at home handily, you yeah. know. And, I mean, it's, I mean, Iowa State's been all over the place, you know, in conference play. But, I mean, we've seen it where – a lot of these teams have picked up good victories, you know, that, that every, even when you look at the lower half of the conference, when you have Iowa state and Texas and Kansas state, that those teams have picked and, and Baylor's in that discussion that they picked up good wins. I mean, Oklahoma state has, is, is all over the place that they just got blown out by Kansas state, but they won at Kansas. They won at West Virginia. You don't know what you're getting out of that team. And they honestly, they should have beat Texas Tech on the road too. They blew that game. So the, the, the Big Twelve is probably the most competitive conference 
in the country. I mean, more so than the Big East, just because you have a couple, you know, teams at the bottom that that you know are kind of also rans at, at times. But the Big Twelve, you know, we talk about who could win that tournament. Honestly, you could make an argument for an Iowa State or a Baylor running the table, and it wouldn't be insane. That's right, and and obviously it's going to have probably six teams, maybe more. And the Big 12, you got to keep remembering this, only has 10 schools at the moment, but they could get six in the NCAA tournament and maybe a seventh team. We'll see. I'll take Baylor uh, as the underdog uh, there in that one. And we got a couple of games on Sunday of interest, including Duke against Clemson. We looked at that game for Three Dog Thursday purposes. It's tough to project, again, days ahead. It's likely that Duke would be favored maybe by a point or two, but you make the good point. We don't know about Marvin Bagley, the big man with the knee sprain. He didn't play in their midweek game, their win over Virginia Tech. Grayson Allen had the big shooting night. Clemson lost the heartbreaker. Florida State, your Knowles, Kevin is a Knoll, came from behind, beat them in overtime midweek. Tough to tell who's going to be favored in that game, but Clemson gets Duke at home in this matchup Sunday. That'll be a fun one to watch uh, out of the ACC. Michigan, Ohio State also on on Sunday in the Big Ten uh, that will be fun uh, to take part in. So there, there's some good games on Saturday and Sunday, including Wichita State and Cincinnati. Now, under my scenario, I've got Houston winning the game with Cincinnati Thursday night, and now Cincinnati would host Wichita State on Sunday in American Conference action. That's going to be a knockdown, dragout game. Uh, as well. All right. So again, we'll go over the underdogs back earlier in the show, Kevin, with Thursday underdogs, Wisconsin and Southern Miss, both of those underdogs for him at home. I'll go Houston as the home underdog and Arizona as a Thursday night road underdog against Arizona State. Again, if you're listening to the show later in the weekend, you already know what did or didn't happen in those games. Feel free to ridicule us at Three Dog Thursday on Twitter. Uh, send, send along the hate. We're doing the best we can with those picks. Kevin will go West Virginia and I will go Baylor. A couple of Big 12 Saturday underdogs for both of us. So there are the underdog predictions. And Kevin, we made mention of this earlier. Still a busy time of the, of the year. Whether you're watching the Olympics or not, NBA going on, NHL going on, Major League Baseball about to start up. You've got it all covered, do you not, at VegasInsider.com, sir? Yes, and uh, obviously this weekend the NBA takes a break with the All-Star weekend, and they'll have about six days off, so not a lot of activity with the NBA, but it'll pick up again next week. College basketball rolls on. They have no breaks. They keep going. NHL. Uh, rolls on as well, and Major League Baseball, the win totals are out for all these teams, spring training starting up. Can you believe that, and, if I can interject? Can you believe yeah. we got pitchers and catchers reporting in Florida where we are and in Arizona? It, I mean, they're already showing up this week and this weekend. It's hard to believe. Yeah, yeah. to start their 200-game season with spring training <laughs> and the regular season, so get that going. But, yeah, so that's starting up. So looking forward to that in late March with the season beginning uh, for good. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot going on. Obviously, football is right now in the rearview mirror. But uh, still a lot with basketball, with both the NBA and college. And you can check us out, VegasInsider.com. We continue to roll on and also on Twitter at TwitBI. And we're two weeks away from conference tournaments, including the Big Ten playing an early conference tournament at Madison Square Garden in New York. They had to play it a week earlier because the Big East gets it the following week. In a couple of shows, we're going to be talking about conference tournaments uh, for March. Can't believe that as part of Three Dog Thursday. Listen, I always enjoy the fun conversation. Uh, good luck with your underdogs for this week, Wisconsin, Southern Miss, and West Virginia. And we thank you for the time here, sir. All right, you got it. Thank you. There is Kevin Rogers, Senior Handicapper, VegasInsider.com. My thanks also to Kerry James for being with us uh, from BleacherReport.com and their bracketology, their bracket uh, guru, and also their college basketball coverage. Check him out there as well. We want to thank you for being with us. I've got the Houston Cougars, the Arizona Wildcats on Thursday, and the Baylor Bears on Saturday for my underdogs. Again, for more on the underdogs, you can follow him at VI Rogers. Follow this show at Three Dog Thursday on Twitter. Also, Three Dog Thursday on Instagram and Facebook. For Kevin Rogers and for Kerry James, I'm TJ Reeves. Enjoy the college basketball. We're talking to you again next week on the only digital radio show devoted exclusively to underdogs. It's Three Dog Thursday. Bye. This is a Jim Fannin Show Quick Fix on Radio Influence. If you're in management and leadership, man, I tell you what, a lot of times it's not the money. It's not the compensation. It's the love that your team 
feels for each other that's going to hold them together during the really good times when somebody else wants them all. There was a study uh, a few years back with the Fortune 1000. They researched, I believe, 2,500 executives, and they asked them what was the most meaningful part of their job, what, what was important to them. Money, Seth, was actually third on that list. Number one on that list is I'm an integral part of something greater than myself. So if you're the leader of the company, keep talking about the long-term vision. People want to be a part of something greater than themselves. And then the second thing on that list that came out of that survey, I want to be appreciated. We can always find fault in everybody, but you got to throw a few uh, psychological bones out there. We need to acknowledge what they've done right because small successes lead into big successes. The Jim Fannin Show can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.